Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Hey, driving again. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to an official season preview podcast edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. Tim Kawakami, Marcus Thompson, Lakers Warriors tomorrow. I mean, this thing crept up quickly, didn't it? Dude, I had to check in for a flight and straight for, like, like this is real. Like, this is happening. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> it's a good opener, too. It's a good one, TNT. You know, it, it's it's good to be thinking about real basketball. I'm thinking, yeah, there's going to be real basketball to analyze starting tomorrow. And then next week, we'll be talking about, like, we'll have three games by then. And that's good stuff after many, many months. An Oklahoma City trip in, in there, Oklahoma too? Oklahoma City trip. Wait, Tim, you going to OKC? <laughs> I am not going to OKC. <laughs> kitchen three, three, two, yeah, four. Yeah, kitchen three, two, four. Uh, no, I will not be going. I might be going at some point later. Who knows? I feel like the road is the place to be in the NBA this season. I just, I, I've heard this. I've heard this. It is, but you know, it's not quite as spectacular a matchup as the 2016 West Maybe Lawrence, not. Maybe uh, not. in Oklahoma City. You know, it's a good opener uh, because I think it's a test of like how much stock we should take in the preseason because the Warriors like a lot of positive signs in the preseason. They're really flowing well. They went 5-0, and a bunch of stats that, that encourage you. And the Lakers are the opposite end, 0-6. Everything's clunky. But also, I mean, I, I think we all could see a world where the, the lights click on Tuesday and LeBron and Davis just like overpower the Warriors. And, and, and anything we've seen in the preseason, we're like, you know, why, why do we really think that? <laughs> Well, I mean, again, what was it? The Bucks were winless in the preseason last season. I mean, it doesn't matter that much. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was important for the Warriors to feel good in the preseason. I think we saw that. And they wanted, they pushed for it. Other than the Lakers game, where I, I that's the one game I missed, but I, Steph and Draymond did not play in that game, right, if I, if I remember correctly. Other than that, they were playing, like, pretty tight rotations. Like, Steve was going with the guys that he wants to play with. Maybe some reduced minutes, although not in the last one. I mean, what, Steph played 30 minutes? It's just it just basically didn't do his fourth quarter shift, but played every other minute. I think this team wants to feel good about it. Wants to feel these guys in it. Wants to feel like how the rotation is going to go. Wants the ball to go. In. They wanted all those things, so it was important to them. Lakers may be less important. Probably definitely less important. But I do think the Warriors wanted to feel like this is something that they can go fast on. They can like, boom, we're in the regular season and not going to be like this feeling out period. When we saw it last season, that's all last season was. It was first six games was like, what the hell is this? This has got to change. They definitely don't want to do that this season. Okay, so we got a uh, season preview podcast where I just got eight topics. You guys can feel free to, to jump in with an answer or just let me know and I can answer and then we could just debate 
if you agree with me or not. First one, I guess, thing looming over the season is just a lot of pressure on the Warriors just organizationally this season. I think in every layer, just two non-playoff seasons behind them. Obviously, you know, you wonder about the end of the Curry-Draymond-Clay era, the start of the next era. So the first question I had is just who do you think has the most pressure on them this season organizationally? Anyone want to jump in? Man, you know, you know who's feeling the all of the weight and the real like kind of like drama of the pressure to perform. It, it's gotta be Gary Payton the second. It's gotta be no. <laughs> it's, no to me, it's Draymond. It's Draymond. Yep, yep. Chris Gilles. Draymond's under Chris the most Gilles pressure to me. It's Draymond. It's yeah. I I mean I you can definitely see that. I mean this is right on the you know like I've said it like there's a sliding scale with Draymond. It's how much you're willing to take and how much you know how valuable he is and, and we all know how valuable he has been to the Warriors and how he continues to be. Also, I'll just put it in a pure basketball. Like they're looking at it like you go. You're the defense man. You're it. Like you you, you know you're gonna have help, but you got to run this defense. They have made you have less. Yes, yeah, so they've made a lot of decisions, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing about this. I don't want to do my whole column here, but they've made a lot of decisions offense based. Jordan Poole is gonna be the starting two guard. That's offense based. You have Steph and Jordan Poole as your guard per- perimeter defense. They've never had anything like that ever. Nothing close to that. They've made you know Otto Porter mostly offense. Bielitsa offense. These are the main ads they've made to this system, subtracting Ubre and Bazemore to defense first guys. These are new situations, and Draymond's going to have to plug a lot of it. And I think in their minds, and I think in Draymond's mind, we've seen him be capable of it. But that's big. I wouldn't pick him as a number one because that's Marcus's pick, but it's a good one. It's way up there. My pick is Joe Lego because I think that you know Draymond and Steph. You know, they're made men in a lot of ways, even if, if another title doesn't happen, if, if if this era disintegrates in the next couple of years. And they're Bay Area legends. They're they're Hall of Famers. Even Bob Myers, who, who you know, is under the gun a little bit or that front office just in general is with with some of the decisions they've made and the fact they haven't made the playoffs the last two seasons. Steve Kerr, you know, we can go down the list. Uh, you know, he's probably made some errors the last couple of seasons in player development and, and different prioritizations. I think everyone has pressure, but Joe Lacob has put his stamp on, you know, what is going on organizationally. I mean, it's pretty clear that, you know, he's the one that's been protective of the draft picks and he's the one that is thinking about the future. And I think if this doesn't go well, like I said, I do think Draymond and Steph can kind of wipe their hands clean of it, even Joe and Bob. But as the future unfolds, if this doesn't go well for Joe Lacob, he is potentially at odds a little bit with his fan base who are skeptical of some of these choices. And, you know, there is this magic world where he does bridge this gap and it's just it's just playoffs and relevance every season. But I think he's just kind of become the face of a bold decision, I think, organizationally to attempt That's this. why Draymond's under pressure because, man, you know, uh, <laughs> That's a good one. what would be better than for Draymond to go out and dominate while the future doesn't pan out right away, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, I told, I told y'all. They'll be in the G League. I told y'all. Be in the G League. The G League but yeah, the I, I, they've they've essentially said, Draymond, you're the defense, <laughs> and kind of taking away the pieces to do it. It's like, yo, you got to anchor this thing. You got to like lead this defense. You got to keep us afloat while we take away all the defense and put it into offense. So like. 
And play a lot of center. Play a lot of center. And, you know, Draymond's whole impetus is like, yo, let me get this defensive player of the year. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm like great on this end. This is my end. And he's kind of like got the the whole system set up against him in that in that sense. So if they don't play well defensively, it's Draymond's lost a step. Draymond doesn't have it anymore, right? And if they do, it gives him all the might to gloat and be Draymond, right? Do his thing and let everybody know well, what he did. He's going to do that. He's going to do that. Some authority behind it if he doesn't. I'm writing a little bit about this, and, and I, maybe me and Tim could coordinate a, a little bit to make sure we're, we're a little bit divergent. But, like, Mike Brown and Chris DeMarco are taking over the defense. And, you know, you can kind of loop them into the Draymond. But 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 you're right. They're kind of handcuffing them a little bit on that end. But the one thing I would – like, you're right reputationally for Draymond. If they suddenly go from fifth in defense to, like, 13th in defense, I think they're okay with that if they go from 20th in offense to, to fourth in offense or something like that. And the truth is for Draymond, like a lot of what they did offensively is like really based on him too. Like it's going to help him that there's space. It's going to help him that there's smart players that know how to cut. But yeah, I mean, if they're fourth in offense, we're not going to be like, (laughs) it's because Draymond Green's genius level passing. So, I mean, that's where I can see it. Can they close games? Those five possessions at the end of the games we've seen Draymond dominate. Can, Can that still happen with whatever pieces they're putting out there with them? I think they're both great answers. I hate to agree with both of you, but I'll throw another one out there. Not not his thing. It's more like what the conversation is. How much pressure is there on Clay Thompson this season? It's building and building and building. And I understand that the franchise is really looking forward to having him back two seasons. I understand. I mean, does it count if Clay doesn't feel it? You know, like is, no, is I, it I pressure? It, that's why. Yeah, that's why it's a little different. It's a little, but I'll put it this way: the franchise is putting a lot of pressure on the idea. The whole thing Thompson. is hanging it's, on it's play. A, like Bob talking about it on draft night. I wrote about. It, I agree with it. It does. He's his status does determine almost the entire season. But then if you keep saying it and you keep saying it, you know, again, Steve said it and I quoted him, but then now it's every broadcast. It's the Kleenex that when, when Clay comes back, let's put the camera on Clay for two minutes during the game and talk about the emotions it's going to be like. Let's cry about it now. Let's cry about what the emotions are going to be like. That's too much. It's too much. And and again, I'm going to write about We're all going to write about it. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that this isn't a huge thing. He's been out for two seasons. They were great when he got hurt. They've been terrible since he had, he's, he's been out. So that's all true, and everyone loves him, and he's a zen you know, situation with him. You're right. He's not feeling it, probably, other than he wants to come back and be great. I'm saying the franchise is just loading and loading and loading and loading and loading and loading. Like, stop. This is the stuff that got Durant annoyed. This is the stuff that, that, that Draymond and Durant were talking about, you know, whether it's true or not. But they just they, they kind of overdo things. This is Joe saying that they're going to put Durant's jersey in the rafters the day he leaves. Like, this is too much. Just back off a little bit and just let it happen. Again, I say this as someone who's already written about it. I say this as someone who agrees with some of the things they're saying. I'm saying the PR of it, the emotions of it, with it not even knowing when he's coming back, is way over the top. It's way over the top. Well, especially because his return game will be his first game in like 900 days. I mean, can you imagine what he was going through from a body perspective, trying to get back with just like, you know, an ACL to an Achilles, like the two almost death sentence injuries from, from you know, prior sports. And then, you know, he's going to play 18 minutes this first game. You know, he might come off the bench early on, you know, like that type of stuff. 
we all understand it. We all understand his place in this franchise lore, his place in that group. So important. I'm agreeing with it. I'm saying they're overloading it. They're talking about it too much. They're getting emotional about it too early. This is too much. We don't know what he's going to be like. We don't even know when it's going to happen. Other than the idea that this yeah, this is building towards when Clay is back at full speed. They don't know that's and it's incredibly likely that this is going to be a slow process even once he gets back on the floor. I just think this is a little bit typical Warriors to over-talk about it, to over-dramatize it, to over-load like things with something that they don't even know is happening yet. Just calm down a little bit. The pressure's too much just on that event. It's how they could explain away the decisions they made. It's their backdoor plan, yeah. I get it, and hey, Steph and Draymond want it this way, right? They want the group together and, and go out together and... Clay's injury, especially, you know, the, the last one were just kind of put a halt to every plan because they made these plans knowing he had the ACL injury two years ago. But this last one was the one that really hit him. But I just been talking about the over sense that everything is building to that moment. It's going to be the greatest moment in franchise. No, the greatest moment in franchise history is when he's back at full speed. You just don't know when that's going to be. These are things that you should not load up too much. I really do believe this. It shouldn't be the conversation every day it should not be the one thing i would say for them though is that i think ground floor like training staff wise they're not like they're just like he looks pretty good right now if you go watch him by the way i was watching kenny atkinson try to lock him up in the mid post the other day i mean he's going full the speed best defender kenny he's atkinson's had in a long time in the mid post kenny atkinson's gonna tear his achilles jesus by the way that's my answer to one <laughs> kenny atkinson no um Kenny Hackinson was out there also pregame chasing Steph around down screens for, for his pregame workout. It's just, it, it's, it's quite a scene. But I do think they're going to slow play the return from like just a health perspective, which I do think is important within the conversation, even if you're right from the more marketing uh, side they are. But, uh, and I also think the other thing, and this is going to be my answer to number two, so we can get to the second question, which is what is a preseason topic or trend that matters? But I think Jordan Poole's emergence can maybe ease some of that. Because not only on the court does that maybe make Clay not have to do as much when he comes back, but if Jordan Poole continues what he did in the preseason into the regular season, he's a bit more of a topic than like, uh-oh, everything is relying on Clay coming back. It's more like, uh-oh, Jordan Poole might be changing kind of the scenario here. <laughs> New number one, pressure on Jordan Poole. He, he swapped uh, it out. Will Jordan Poole's great play uh, make everyone forget about Clay? No, it will not. Uh, but I agree with that. I'll just say it's a, kind of the overarching theme is that they want to get off to this fast start. They want to get off to this fast start with Jordan Poole being guns a blazing. They want to like just get out there and shoot threes, move the ball around, and that way you do take some of the pressure off of. Oh my God, we got, we Clay's got to be back for this to all be right. Oh my God, you know like things get tense if they're fifteen and seventeen right after thirty two games, and if they're you know it's a little different if they're you know twenty and fourteen or whatever. I can't add, do the math correctly, but you know. If they're in the playoff race with Jordan Poole, there's there's less tension about when Clay's coming back. No question. And I think they're it's a good thing for them. It's a good converse, topic of conversation. If you could perhaps, and you know, maybe we'll talk about this later, if he can even if he'd be so good that they can work Wiseman in there with them, that's even better for them. That's to the side, though. I mean, Jordan Poole is an event all himself right now. No question. He's, he's a thing. And 
And even Lakeup said on the telecast the other night, like he's surprised at how good he is. Like you can't just say that's going to happen to everybody. No way. I mean, it hasn't. We've seen rookies be terrible, and then they're gone. Jacob Evans would be the one. But it happened with Jordan Poole, and give the Warriors credit for being patient with him, with working through it, with him getting, especially for him working hard and getting to this point. But he's a big part of, I think, their optimism that they can get through this first start without. Clay Thompson and without James Wiseman and not knowing what they're going to get from the rookies and possibly get nothing from the rookies. This has made their preseason, I think, made their training camp that they can count on this guy. So as far as trends that matter, preseason trends that matter, it's got to be, for me, the three-point shooting. The it's amount, the, right? The, yeah, the, vo- the sheer volume. They averaged 53 three-pointers in the preseason. League and high. It won't, and it won't, be, it won't be that, but they're high. Like un, in the Steve Kerr era, for a season when they broke it's the league, four <laughs> four. But they're they didn't have that many that good three point shooters. They earlier. did, yeah. yeah. They're gonna blow yeah. that out of the. I'll tell you, no, it, last year was thirty. Like, whoa, did they shoot thirty eight threes last year? Well, the league has gone crazy too. Jeez, I mean, the yeah, league thirty eight seven. I didn't even look at last year. Thirty eight seven last year. They're gonna they're gonna be into the forties. Houston has the record for forty five four. They might break that. Now somebody else might. Shoot, Utah, make more, Utah. shoot more threes of them, but I think they're going to be up there. Yeah, Utah. I, I think they're. I think it's going to be up there. They are going to chuck them, and partially because they've got three guys who this is what they do. Like obviously Steph does more, but the center of his game is three point shot. Otto Porter, Bielitsa, Jordan Poole. If they're not hitting threes, <laughs> they're not doing anything else. Like. You know, Poole, you can argue, is going to get to the rack a little bit. Maybe at some point, Otto Porter becomes a a good team defender. But by and large, they got four players whose game hinges on making three-point shots. And they're going to blow this number out of the water. Now, I don't know how much they'll make. They're typically one of the more efficient teams. Are they shooting volume and it's looking like they're in the system, set up shots, they're not forcing too many, or are they just jacking them to jack them? And then Clay <laughs> yeah. comes. He's going to hit the What's three. What's the one thing Clay going to be able to do when he gets three. back, for sure? So if they're, you know, like, I, I think we can all can say that the Rockets and their percentage would tell you sometimes force threes. Like, they were just shooting them to shoot them, and some of them should not have been shooting as many as, as they shot. I think if the Warriors, and I don't know that I felt this in the preseason, I think most of them were, like, within what they can do. This is This is what they're shooting. If that continues, it clearly may not in the regular season. We'll see. But if that continues, then if they make six more threes than their opponent or four more threes from their opponent, that's that's 24 points if it's six more threes than their opponent. They took 82 more and 82 more than their opponents in five games. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just 15, a huge number. You know, it's 16 more a game, and that's making five. Again, if you make five more threes at even – a 35% percentage, 34% percentage. I don't know, you know, the met yeah, the met yeah, the metric yeah, the, the metric could on go that down. Yeah. Does Steph say he's going to shoot 15 threes a game? Did he say something like that? Did I see something like that? <laughs> well, unless Jordan Poole takes about 5 of those off the table. But I one but thing no, that, unless I, Jordan Poole will Jordan take Poole might shoot 15 threes. Yeah, I think one thing that really matters within this though cuz you know, you mentioned the Rockets and it's right. Like the Rockets eventually, you know, met the Warriors and the Warriors, you know, you could say use it against them or the math didn't work in the key moments of the playoffs and maybe it won't, but it's a regular season strategy. This is how you just get by teams in the regular season. This is a set of, the regular season construct now. They're sure they're planning to be different when Clay gets back, although maybe not with the threes, but maybe with the efficiency and the defense. 
But this is Portland Trailblazers. And I respect Portland. I mean, they've won a lot of games. But you play this kind of thing. You, you go offense over defense. You go threes over all else. You're going to blow some teams out at home. You're going to steal some games on the road. You're going to lose some games because your defense isn't that good. And then if you have this model, you're going to lose in the playoffs the way the Portland Trailblazers have lost every year. Now, I'm sure the Warriors think that's going to, you know, they're going to change things as they get into later in the season. But this is a regular season construct. There's no question. It's a good, but it's, it's not a terrible one, man. When you, if you're shooting 35% as a team, shooting 46 to 50 a game. You're going to win a lot of games like that. And even, you know, we're, we're knocking the Rockets, but they won a lot of games that way. Yeah, they won six. Yeah, yeah. What did they, they win were, that they one? Were, like yeah, 65? They were, I mean, they were the one seed. Utah won, Utah won seed last season. I mean, This is the story of the Rockets. Their seventh game of that series was in Houston, which shows you how good a regular season they had. And then in that seventh game, they missed 27 straight threes. But, you know, anyway. So number three is preseason topic trend that doesn't matter. I did the defensive rating. Their defensive rating was actually 98.2 in the preseason. I think a lot of that was credited to <laughs> Russell Westbrook. But, wow, okay, geez, um, Wow. <laughs> that's a shot shot. Nice. <laughs> who, who was shutting down Russell Westbrook? Who was the Warriors shutting Russell Westbrook down? Russell Westbrook was shutting down Russell Westbrook. Sorry. And this is what I am writing about, which is like we're not talking enough about how much their defensive personnel took a dip. Nemanja Bielitsa, as impressive as he was, and Draymond Green was among the most impressed by Bielitsa's offensive preseason, he was losing Aaron Gordon in transition. He was getting bodied by Dwight Howard, just thrown under the rim. I mean, I mean bodied. Like, bodied. Dwight, <laughs> Dwight Howard, like he was 24 again. Yeah. You know, and you could tell offenses were starting to be like, oh, yeah, let's swing it this way and let's try to get, you know, Bielitsa on a post-isolation against Jokic. And, like, that's that that's what they're targeting. And and Porter's stiff. And, and you think about who these guys are replacing. And it is a huge offensive upgrade. But we talk about the offensive end. of They're replacing Ubrage, replacing Bazemore. Those guys are good defenders. Bazemore right now is being talked about in Lakers camp as, like, the their best perimeter defender. And and Ubre had his questionable moments defensively, but like he was kind of a terror out there at times, like in a good way for the Warriors. And Jordan Poole last year at this time lost his lost the backup point guard job to Brad Wanamaker. And my God, do they need Jordan Poole to to give them a lot more than Brad Wanamaker did offensively? <laughs> I thought you said, "My God, do they need Brad Wanamaker back? They need Brad Wanamaker." But back. remember, when Brad Wanamaker won that job, it was because what was Steve Kerr talking about all last preseason? Top 10 defense, top 10 defense. They were obsessed with top 10 defense. And I think that mattered in the way they coached, what they prioritized, everything. And they were. And this offseason, they've completely flipped that. It's all offense, offense, completely offense. Completely flipped. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's fine. And we all think that they're going to be a better team because of that. But, like, this is going to be hard for Draymond, hard for Mike Brown, hard for Chris DeMarco, hard for the defenders on this team to hold together the defense when everyone knows what's really going on. If top five rating or fifth rating becomes 11th rating, okay. If fifth rating becomes 18th, uh oh, twenty four is. Yeah. Right. Notice by the way, yeah, I, I like you pick eleventh rating because they've won two titles with the eleventh rating, I think, or went to the finals twice. But they were eleven because they didn't care the in the regular season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's all count. It all counts. I mean, you know, we look at the ratings for for just a general number. I think they're going to have to get used to not being a great defensive team for a while. It can't be like, oh my god, we're the worst thing. Like they, they've like they've purposely done this. We know Kerr calls timeout every time there's a backdoor cut and they give it up for a dunk timeout. 
every time somebody breaks loose and it is an uncontested layup on the other side on the fast break, timeout. They're going to have a lot of those, especially when Poole and Bielitz are, are on the floor. Like every time I saw a breakdown in half court and there was a dunk, uncontested dunk in half court, I go, who's on the floor? Okay, it was Bielitz on the floor. That's just going to happen. I, I don't know a way around that, especially that second, you feel that second unit. I mean, if it's, I mean, I guess Andre is going to be on it, but then you have Porter, Bielitsa, uh, is it Damian Lee, you know, Jordan Poole, like those, those are not great defensive players. I think they might put Wiggins on it because he was on it last season, but so far he hasn't been on it. They're going to have to try to outscore some people. Like, can they just hold the other team to six points? This team's going to give up 10 to 12 in, in that five to six minute period or more, or 16, and they're going to have to score 15 to 17 themselves. And I just think they're going to, again, they won't, I'm not, get used to it. I don't mean like they can't get mad about it. They're going to try to be better. They can try to, you know, get on guys to, to play better team team defense. I just think there's going to be a lot of it. There's going to be way more of those easy buckets that we're just not used to seeing the Warriors give up when they had Durant and Andre in his prime. And obviously, you know, Clay in his prime, Sean Livingston, David. I mean, all those, they, they've made countless decisions that those guys or, or Clay's been hurt. That's just that's not there right now, and it's just a decision when they're gonna they're gonna try to score points. They're gonna try to score points with every unit they've got. I think fans are gonna like it. It's gonna look good, but then we'll see if they can stop people uh, specifically. The preseason trend that won't matter, that you don't even need to worry about or think about because there's no way this sticks for the regular season. Andrew Wiggins will not be as terrible as he's looked in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> people are asking me is he hurt does he look that bad 35 percent from the field 22 yeah, percent from yeah, three yeah. he can't even make free he's at down to 63 percent never was a great free throw shooter but 63 percent is like pretty bad this will not be the andrew wiggins you see in, in the regular season i will go ahead and say that this is a topic I, I again i said i wanted to you know strike dead once once he actually got the vaccine shot but like that whole saga Clearly, like he's, he's still, still kind of pouting from it, right? Yeah, like, this he's is, still yeah, like, "This is pouting. what just yeah. happened." Did I just become a mega national story? <laughs> Did I was like basically forced into getting a vaccine? He's got, he's got, a, he's got a fake I can just see him he's looking around, like ball, shooting yeah. the ball, like is something wrong? <laughs> yeah, like he shoots it right, and he's like, <laughs> "Like, oh, that, hold on, man, what y'all do here? to me?" Yeah, it's yeah, just I like yeah. that. It very likely won't matter, you know, two weeks from now. But I do think that was like kind of underlying, like his just floating of a preseason. That's a good point, and I think, man, when he's no longer a warrior, what unless they win a championship with him, what's the lingering image? What's the lingering moments we're going to remember? It's probably that press conference on media day. I mean, that was unbelievable. It's just was one of the most interesting, weird, unforeseen moments in recent Warriors history, at least for like a press conference. I mean, we've seen bizarre press conference with, with Kevin and Draymond and, and Steve and whoever, but that was way up there too. And it was from Andrew Wiggins. Completely, completely, completely memorable. I'll just say, and again, other than something that we've all written about and, and, and talked about, is maybe that 15th roster spot, other than the financial ramifications, that's important. Marcus wrote about that. Veterans unhappy if, if Joe Lagib and Bob Myers and whoever else are just trying to cut costs with that. I get it. I've written about it. It's interesting. They could use somebody just for a certain role there. But was that player really going to play? Was that player really going to play very much? If we're talking about they're going to go for threes, they're going to go for this certain thing, 
And they'll probably bring somebody back in there at some point. It could be GP2 back. It could be, okay, he's back for three weeks, and then it's not him, and then we bring somebody else in. I mean, Marquise Chris is yeah. now available. I mean, like they said on the broadcast that it's great that he's won a role with Portland. <laughs> but I don't think he has, and he's cut the next day. However, again, I get the strategic part of it. That part of it is worth discussing. What you know, Joe Lakeib is doing with the finances, what other teams are doing, almost all of them with a 15th player. You're trying to match them. You you know, you have Clay and Wiseman down to start the season. You know, these are all things that, that are worth discussing. Whether that player really was going to do very much, at least to start with everyone else pretty much healthy, is debatable, especially with Moses Moody as somebody looking like they can play. Now, he's not going to be the guy, go get Dame Lillard. I know we're, that's what we're talking about this, and that's all interesting. But if he's part of that guard wing rotation, then you've got a lot of players you can play. You've got a lot of different pieces you can move around, and you probably weren't going to use the 15th man. If, you know, GP2, like, we can monitor this. How many minutes is he going to play in the first five games? Likely zero. So, you know, again, I get the discussion, and, and I'm, you know, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about a lot of things with our dollars this season. No question, that luxury tax thing is a big deal, and we're going to look monitor. They're making a ton of money, but less than they than they thought they were going to, and the salary is incredible. I just don't know that practically that 15th player is going to play very much. I just don't think that's just yeah. Just from a procedural standpoint, it does sound like it will be Gary Payton. You know, he has to clear waivers, um, but he won the job. He won the 15th job, and I think there's a decent chance he might he might get plugged in. They really like him defensively, and I think there's a chance at the back end of the rotation because um, he's good defensively. Yeah, he really he really yeah. is. And and if, you know, and he he's athletic, and you can always use a guy who's athletic. But the key to what you're talking about is part of the reason there is like this procedural thing going on where he was. Cut and probably has you know if they, they hope he clears waivers is that he had a guarantee and and if you get him now on a full non-guarantee it is a day-to-day contract i mean that's essentially what it is until january until until january until january yeah. and then you can move him in and out you can you know see what's available and i do think they want to keep the roster spot it's open flexible. too for possible it's buyouts. yeah it's a, it's yeah, a flexible yeah, I mean, spot which is know, key i just think again we all understand what that meant financially we all get that but in terms of if, if Moses Moody can play, I, you know, I think you probably want to see Moses Moody playing, you know, right? I mean, if he can possibly give him six minutes a game, I think we'd all be saying, let, let, the, let the 19-year-old play a little bit. Let, let's see where he is. So th- there's my point. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Make a bold prediction. That was what I put as the fourth topic. I don't know. Do you guys have one? I, I got one ready in the chamber, but I can hold it for right Go now. Go ahead. I want to hear yours, but I got a bold one. You know I got a bold one. James Wiseman is will be a helpful specialist how bold is that <laughs> he's mine. the number two pick i know that's mine that'd be mine, that'd be mine. i mean <laughs> you know he wasn't helpful yeah, last yeah. Year. i will say that's the thing that outside people i think would think would be shocking right they've just like forget about it he's done he's horrible they moved on and anybody who talks to the warriors knows that they're not thinking that and that they're going to try to work him in. It's going to be a little weird though, Slater, like with with the three point thing and all the action that's going on. And what if that second unit is pretty good with Bielitsa? Like, are you going to jam Wiseman in there no matter what? I would think you do, but it could get a little clunky there. 
they are going to want to see him with the second unit to start. And I do think at the start, they're going to separate him from the Curry Draymond because that's like, you have to be protective of those minutes. I don't think any of us think they're going to be a dominant second unit that can't be, you know, jumbled around. And they do have a soft early season schedule. So this is possible. If they're, let's say, you know, 13 and, and five, 13 and seven, something like that. When James Wiseman's back and they're on, they're, they're feeling a nice rhythm and the rotations are just feeling good. Like, even if it isn't a dominant second unit, like just tossing the Wiseman component into it, the storyline, just the style of play that he's going to want to have in that second unit of Wiseman, which is just pick and roll heavy. That might get a little weird. But the other point that has been made is this is a roster much better built for Wiseman because there's floor spacing. It's basically begging for a lob threat. I mean, this team is begging to have that vertical spacer dropped within everything else they have. So if they can stick to the plan where he's playing basically the simplified JaVale role that I thought he was going to play last year and kind of miscalculated how much, you know, they were going to try to make him bogut and he was going to try to make himself a a mid-post ISO score, there's complications. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I Maybe, again, I've been optimistic on Wiseman really since day one, before day one. I think he'll be a help by, I said by February. I, I made sure I had that qualifier in my thing because I think he's going to need time to get comfortable. My bold prediction is that Damian Lee will be the starting two guard before before long here. You guys are taking all of my – this is another one of my answers. But you Damian Lee it, is so going good, to so win good. the number two spot, and they're going to put Poole off the bench and get him ready for his role. Do you have a date on that? Because it's not day one. <laughs> it's not It's not day one, but uh, let me let me pull out the schedule and see here. How, how many games will it take for them to realize they need more defense in the starting unit? <laughs> that's, <laughs> is Damian Lee the guy who's going to play it? Uh, that's is he gonna, what do you mean he's going to play He's, he's going to play, play better defense, defense than Jordan Poole. And also, you know, he could still spread the floor. They've got experience with him. Uh, let's say I'm going to go with Saturday, October 30. Wow, that's quick. They got Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Thunder, and then Grizzlies. So that's that's a guard gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> it might be rough for Jordan Poole defensively to start the season, is what I'm saying. You'll just go out and score yeah, the other guys. Yeah, but he can do that off the bench, too. Yeah. Like, he scores well. I just think they're going to – I think eventually they're going to be like, all right, all right, all right. They need somebody. And, Stability. You know, the ideal spot is somebody who can – like, who can best not hurt either unit, right? You put one guy out there, he's going to hurt the defense. You put another guy out there, he's going to hurt the offense. Who can best give you something on both ends? And to me, that makes sense for uh, Damian Lee. Like, he's a guy who can – he'll hit the open shot. Like, you know, he's a threat to score. He can play with a one and play with a one. And, and he tries on That's defense. What, yeah, yeah, he yeah, tries yeah. on defense. Yeah. And, and he goes, goes and right he spot. pull in the role he's going to have. Like, that's – because if you – if I mean, if you really start thinking about it, and perhaps he can do both, but if he's playing those big first quarter minutes, right, if he's playing the big – we're going to play most of the quarter. If he's going to do that, then he can also like still be in the second, you know, second unit. But if he's playing big first quarter minutes, he can't really be that big in the second unit. And without him, it's, it's rough from a playmaker or ball handler standpoint. They don't, they didn't get that third guy unless they, unless they see Gary Payton and they sign him and see him as the guy. But that, that's probably not going to be right off the bat. Like, yo, go run our second unit. They, they need somebody to run the second unit, which limits how much Jordan Poole can be in the first quarter anyway. So I see him eventually after this guard gauntlet saying, yeah, 
you're gonna you're gonna have to put Steph on these dudes. Like who's guarding Westbrook? And I know Westbrook kind of guards himself, but it's good. at some point he's gonna look at Jordan Poole and be like, I can get by him every single time. De'Aaron Fox is gonna look at I can get by him every single time. What's even worse, I think, for him is the switches. He's not good at them. These quick switches, he just loses it and these guys backdoor him. And, and we've seen that's the Kerr timeout. But the undervalued role player, I think Damian Lee, is just because you can put him in all these different spots. He can, he's going to hit 35% of his threes. We know he can hit him at the end of games. We saw him at the beginning of last season. You can just plug it. can play with Steph. He can play with the backups. He can play, you know, like he's just a guy. That's why they like him is you just can put him wherever and you're going to score a couple buckets. He's going to be okay on defense. He's going to, he's not a drain. He's not a black hole. He moves the ball. Like this is a kind of player who fits with them. But that was my answer for the other one. Um, my, my, my big, my big prediction I got to get my, my, is because none of us are talking about injuries here. Like there's going to be injuries. And when they have two or three guys go down on the front line, I think Jonathan Kaminga is going to play like a 10 game set. It's not going to be like, oh my God, this guy's a future. But it's going Don't to be diminish your bold prediction. Go all yeah, in. Go, yeah. go, go all Jonathan, in. Jonathan Kaminga will play 10 games where will make us say and write with perspective that this guy's going to start. Now there's your bold prediction. About. Yeah, yeah not, there you not, go. Not this season. But, but he will get 10 games <laughs> to 14 My bold, games. Where, Tim Kyle Coffey's bold this, prediction. Yeah, hey, Jonathan <laughs> Kaminga will take Draymond's spot. That's there, hey, I was going <laughs> to no, say. No, that is not, forget that is not the, my prediction. Forget the 10 game thing. Jonathan Kaminga will be in the starting lineup next season. That's basically his bold point right there. No, 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 no. That is not it. That's your guy's bold prediction. We just said what you want to say. You toned it down. Say some good thing. We will see some very good things from Jonathan Kaminga in a limited role Jonathan Kaminga will get 10 straight double doubles it was there we go <laughs> um, all right yeah, maybe 10 straight yeah. turnovers I actually I'm had a-, a different player for the uh for the uh role player who we being under discuss okay you want to go first I was just gonna say Juan Juan Toscano Anderson three weeks ago I would have said him now I'm worried about his his minutes he, I don't think he's gonna be in a second unit to, to most of the time it's like that's not the plan but go ahead I mean he might aim there's a lot of things that, that he, people haven't planned Toscan Anderson for, and he's worked his way into it. That's a good point. But right now, it doesn't look like he's in the same unit. But the, I think that's, to me, what is why, he, first off, he's being under-discussed. But if something is not working out at, like, three positions, who do you think Steve's going to turn to? It's going to be Andre. It's going to be Juan Toscano Anderson. Like, and that's hugely valuable. I think they're either or right now. Like, you either put Andre on the floor or you put JT on the floor. You're not putting both on the floor. But you're putting one because they can move the ball, they can get to the right space, they can play help defense, and they can go guard your. And who is Draymond going to be clamoring for to to play when he's out there trying to JT. cover three guys at one time? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that will be that will be the guy who gets. Well, you know what's in, key for Juan yeah. is Bielitsa. And they've been just like Bielitsa's done so well offensively. And again, as we talk about what like how this balance has shifted, it's gonna be a lot of Bielitsa, but 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 where the regular season can and will be different at times that or than the preseason was is what Marcus is talking about. Bielitsa gives up three of those like, you know, easy put back dunk, he misses a rotation, he lets somebody leak in transition, and Draymond looks at the bench and it's like, we're playing the Knicks, this is like a kind of like a ground and pound type game, let's get one out here and just like muck the game up. And so he will help there. But I just, I thought he was going to have a firm role 
before the preseason started, and now it seems more specialist. I mean, they signed and drafted dudes in his position, so I was like, eh. Yes. <laughs> but they're not, yeah, play, but, but they're not they kept, playing, They kept doing it. They kept one after like, the other. Yeah, you know, Andre, uh, Andre, like, if you were sure JTA was your guy, your, you know, your, your backup defensive forward, you probably wouldn't have signed Andre. Now, maybe they would have signed Andre no matter what, but for Andre to have a role, JTA cannot play. Now, you know, there's going to be a lot of games they just don't play Andre or they play him short minutes. But what what I'm just saying is that role, you can't have too many guys who do that role. Now, the Warriors like them more than almost any other team. But there aren't a lot of guys. And like, that role is pretty specific. And you don't need two of them. Uh, and if you're not good enough to be a starter in that role, that's a limited segment of the game that you're going to play. But you might need and two of them, though, especially. Yeah. Well, Andre, yeah. yeah but but minutes, like we're, we've been talking about this regular season style of play, right? And how they're going to go for a bunch of threes, rack up the wins. They're doing it based on the belief that eventually they won't be Portland. That they could flip a switch and be a playoff caliber team again. And to me, players like Juan, that's who you can do that. Like you got a dude who's who's bigger than what you have and bothering you in the post, like you can throw Juan on him. Like if these dudes aren't passing the ball and he wants somebody to come in and, and pass the rock, like players like that, you know, I'm writing about, you know, the, the return of strength and numbers, but this is how they started, <laughs> right? This is how they began with, Four You're or talking five like guys who play most spades days. The most yes, spades. Yes, absolutely. Days. The most spades, the Leandro Barbosa, the Ian Clark. Where you, you just didn't know who was playing when, but you had the ability to kind of transform your your lineup and transform the style of play. They can do that because they got guys like Juan and Andre. Like Bielitsa, Porter, Poole, they can play one. They only know one way. <laughs> that's that's it, right? Like they got one hope, but you need those guys who can kind of say, all right, we got to grind this one out, who we got. And the flexibility to do that I think is important. Well, look what happened when they, when they were 15, 15 and 5, you know, when they made a bunch of decisions and one of them was to play G, JTA in the second unit. So he, he definitely could play, probably should play. Nah, is he's it probably not going right to play now. right but, now. Yeah, I yeah. think they, they got to yeah. give Bealy I mean, you know, They got to like, you got to commit to it if you're going to do it. The other thing, to, to to Tim's point earlier about injuries, like, you know, Bealy support, or I mean, what have we, they have certainly not got injured in the preseason, but I mean, there will be games missed. There's guys who can miss games, and we just got to, you know, he's one, he's just in that mix. He's in that conversation. Damian Lee's the same thing. Like, they're in that conversation. Hey, he's proven what he can do. JTA's proven what he can do. He's proven it to Stefan Draymond, which is the most important thing. And he's going to get some minutes. It's just, it's going to be Not limited. Not as important really. as they thought. I don't think it's important. They're thinking a lot of things at the front office. I'd say the last possible answer on this question is Moody. um, Because early on in preseason, I mean, I think Kerr was like making a statement to his team, like rookies don't get handed minutes on this team. And then, you know, Kaminga gets hurt early, so he can't really earn a spot. You know, Wiseman's obviously still rehabbing. Um, But Moody did enough to where, like, Steve wanted to see him with the starters, and he got him some minutes in the last preseason game with Steph. How about he, you know, Moody came in with two flying putbacks in that last preseason game. That was pretty impressive. Just monitor him early. I don't think he's playing opening night, you know, except for maybe a cameo you might see him. But I think he's going to, they're going to throw him into the water at some point in his first five, six games and, 
if he keeps, you know, doing the little things that Steve Kerr likes, that's the one thing about him. He does stuff that Steve Kerr likes, that that Draymond Green likes, that Steph Curry likes. I saw him make a play, and I looked over at the bench, and Steph Curry was doing one of those. He did, like looked at Steve Kerr, like, "Ooh, did you see that?" And it's just like, <laughs> it's even better when you see Slater. Yeah, doing yeah. It sorry, I'm doing it on a Zoom. With the we called this though, right? <laughs> this is what this is literally the whole draft process. We're like, Moody is the guy you get to give you some time now. And he's living up to it. I'd say watch if Otto Porter gets off to a slow start or busts some defensive assignments or isn't shooting 52% from the which three. Which he will be, by the way. He's like I think, a- Yeah, which he might be. If he does all the things, Moody doesn't play. But that's the spot I would look for for Moody. Like that kind of play some minutes with the starters, play some minutes with the second unit. That's what Kerr's got Porter doing. I think Porter's been the first sub off the bench. A lot of times, I guess Avery Bradley was too, but so that's not a great sign. But like that first kind of significant player off the bench, and if he starts scuffling, I don't know that that Moody will be the first player off the bench, but that kind of role, that be a blend player, you know, not featured obviously on either unit, but be a player that can hit a three, can not be embarrassed on defense, can give him length, follow rebound, those sort of things. Um, and the fact that Kerr was playing him, you know, in any minutes with Steph and Draymond. You know what role he's going to have? It will remind me of, and this is funny in retrospect, Jordan Poole early last season, Wanamaker was the backup point guard, but there was like every third game because they had seen some stuff from Poole behind the scene. He wanted to see Jordan Poole on the floor and he'd toss him in for, you know, maybe it was just a first half five minute stint. But I even remember the, the game they got blown out by 40 in Utah. He threw Jordan Poole in. And Jordan Poole went like 0 for 4 from 3. And everyone online is going, oh, this bust? Why are we even trying to play him at all right now? And eventually, you know, Jordan Poole goes to the bubble and he disappears. But like they were sprinkling Jordan Poole in early last season, if you remember that. And I do think there will be that some of that with Moody where it's just they want to see. They want to see. And then maybe they see it for a little bit. And then it's like, okay, you take some of what you learned. Go to Santa Cruz for three weeks and then come back and then maybe it's right back into a, a role for somebody who is struggling or an injury but he's gonna matter this season i think a little bit santa cruz gonna be lit <laughs> santa cruz is going there. i think you guys already already answered number six tk has predicted the jonathan kaminga starting what well, six and, was a roster shakeup yeah, <laughs> i meant who was it wise man so no, 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 I mean, no, no. those are major I, roster shakeups. Yeah. No, he's saying trade. He, he meant trade. But, he meant I mean, trade. Jonathan Kaminga yeah. taking yeah. over the starting spot is like a trade. You <laughs> predicted it. You, what do you got him now? Taking over the starting spot. You, you by predicted what? April, it. Is your playoff? call? <laughs> I, did not, I did not say that. I did not say that. Uh, I don't. I do not think they're going to trade. I think they they're, they're, they're going to be looking at the buyout, but maybe they you know they don't even do that. Although Steph is pretty clear that he wants them to. I don't know what's going to be available. We'll see. But I still, I think they. this is their roster. This is kind of how they construct it, unless they're going to trade Wiseman or Kaminga. But what's and the I don't scenario? See that. I think you guys if these dudes that. play good, they fall in love with them more, and they won't trade them. If they don't play well, they will have no value, and they can't trade them. So, like, yes. how does it it's, ever work and out? And the Bradley Beal thing, I don't, think, I don't think that's a live thing. And there's a lot of, like, I just don't see where this all goes. What were that? Where those things can be added up to something that really is going to make a difference and really going to make sure that they're, you know, they keep talking about they want to be good in five years. Those are the ways in their minds that they're good in five years. So I just think this is the roster they're going to have. All right. I agree. I just wrote no on mine. So um, seven, <laughs> seven is, what did I say? Like, where will they finish? Uh, where will they finish in the West standings? You guys want to go first? You want me to? 
Uh, I haven't looked at exactly. I just, in my mind, they look like five six, and we'll see with Clay coming back. And you know, they might sacrifice some of that, you know, that by getting Clay some minutes where it's a little shaky, just because we know it's going to be. So you know, depending, could could be five, could be seven, uh, but I think they're going to be in that mix of interesting teams that are not going to get home court. That's that's where I would put them. You know, forty nine to fifty two. That's the over. Bang the over, Tim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I just think they have a regular. Like we talked about they have a regular season feel to this, like the team that's going to be pretty good in the regular season. Not a sixteen game roster, guys. This is not a sixteen game roster. It's eighty two game roster, and a lot of things have flipped. And they're going to steal some. They're, they're going to be good. They're going to be a good home team. I just think they're going to be a really good home team. We'll see about the road. And if you're a really good home team, that kind of gets you to forty five automatically. Then we'll see where you know can they kind of fight their way through a couple more road wins that we think forty nine to fifty. I'll go with those. This is how I tier the West. I think Utah and Phoenix are just guaranteed really good regular season teams. No, I don't. I wouldn't guarantee that they're a good regular season team. I think they got a lot of stuff to figure out. Now I'm going to put the Lakers ahead of the Warriors. They're to me that second tier because we're just talking seeding right now. I'm not talking about like who's going to win the West when it comes down to the playoffs. But I think Phoenix and Utah, who were one two last year pretty easily, by the way, will just be one two again just because of the continuity of what they've shown. They are as a regular season team. The Lakers, I'm going to assume, will get more wins just because Davis and LeBron will drag them to more wins. Um, but beyond that, I it's muddied in the. West. I think they're I, in that in that mix. That next I call it. I I said the but four I put to the Lakers six in that top mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, regular season even too. Yeah, I mean, unless unless we're banking on injury, which I think if you do that with any team, they probably yeah. yeah I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But uh, I have them in the four to six range with the Nuggets and Mavericks. Personally, I'm not high on the Blazers. Just I think you know when your star spends all summer like flirting with leaving, it's just not a good situation. I think the Clippers are being overrated. Who's their second best player? Reggie Jackson. I mean, Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Man. Zub- yeah, Zubach. Zubach. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. So to me, that's more the like Nicholas Batum. Like the the, the Blazers, Clippers is more like kind of the the overrated teams. I like the Warriors in the four to six with the Nuggets and Mavericks, and I don't know where they fall, but that's huge for them. I throw Memphis, Memphis. You know, I put Memphis in that mix. Uh, I mean. I think they're okay. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're for okay sure. Uh, and, you know, Jaron Jackson just signing. Maybe that settles his situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and six is the key for them, six or above, because it's like just avoid the playing. That's the big thing. Marcus, are you giving a, an exact seed? I was thinking four to, to six, but I think four is a bit high. I just don't think everything. Four would be everything worked out really well. Right? <laughs> including, including Clay, Clay. coming, including Clay coming back. Really yeah. well. So I – I think five is a good number. You know, I got I got Lakers, Jazz, Suns ahead of them. And like one of these teams, whether it's Denver's another one in regular season teams, man, they rack up wins like crazy. You know, so I could see them getting five or I could see Dallas somehow figuring out, you know, maybe Porzingis is a little bit better. I think they're I think they're in that mix between four and six. But I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I just don't believe in Portland and I don't believe in the Clippers without without a healthy Kawhi. So the Grizzlies are very interesting though. I do think the Grizzlies are interesting. They almost almost were perfect for that play in setup and the playoff setup. I don't know if they're constructed for regular season, right? Because they don't. I don't know if they have those those type of horses, but man, you get them in a matchup like they are a problem, man. Can't you just see them on a coming to 
chasing on a back-to-back after they've been, you know, in L.A., and then they come play the Warriors, and the Warriors just spread it out, go boom, 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 and they just blow them off the court in a regular season game. And then when you set them up in a playoff series, <laughs> they're, they're, they're tough for the Warriors. They're tough they for are, everybody. They like, they, <laughs> yeah, they're just sticky. They're just sticky to play against, and they make you do stuff, you know, a little differently than you want to. But in the regular season, the Warriors are probably the superior team just – in numbers and just in the way they can build things regular season. It's just so different than the way I normally think about the If they finish seven, they should be disappointed. That's what I think. They finish seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, to me, the goal is clear. Like six is the floor they need to target. What did Hollinger have? Nine, 12th, 10th, 11th range. <laughs> yeah. I think actually 11th. I think he had him out of play. You know, there's, there's, he had 11th last year too. Oh, there's, there's, there's a world a, where yeah, he's yeah, right. There's like that should be no, yeah, no question, yeah. no question, no. Question, and that's no that's question. injuries, which by the way, you know, you re- start relying on some of these veterans. You start not seeing them around at times. Obviously, you know, Steph falls last year in Houston and cracks his tailbone in a freak accident. But you know, they something call, weird like that them, happens, they and like huge too. Yeah. you're oh, immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he stepped. Uh, he stepped on somebody's ankle the other night. Right? It was in I mean, the Joe Lacob court like, side I don't know that it was on Joe Lacob's sneaker, but it was like right in that direction. <laughs> I don't know what. I... Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, something happened there, and like you go, whoa, that could happen at any time. Obviously. Last one before we get out of here. Uh, I'm just basically going to phrase it like this: Are either of you two ready to declare them title contenders? I am not. I am not. <laughs> no. I mean, we really got to see Clay back to even have that conversation. And to see where he's at, to see where that you know where the direction is for him with the timetable, and even then you'd have you to know, be stretching you, you contender what, like yeah. super. You hard. really do. <laughs> you look at, yeah, you got to look at what those other teams have, and like what if, when the Warriors were great was who's guarding this guy, and and yet they can guard anybody. You can't really do that for them now, except for one guy, Steph Curry, obviously. But we saw that we've seen the the limits of that with one player running around. Uh, and it just isn't that where you can go, okay, they can guard this guy, and they and, and that team can't guard their, this guy, this guy, this guy. They, you can't just do that with them right now. So their team, again, I, mean, we, I keep saying Portland, they're like in that, that's where they are. Like good, respectable, they're going to be scary in a playoff round. You can't say that they're going to get through three of them and get to the finals or win four of them and win it. I can't, I can't say that's where they are right now. I think they're good enough to, you know, if things go well, they can get a nice seed. They could win a couple rounds. They're going to need some breaks, but they're good enough to have a good enough season to make somebody say, you know what? <laughs> I kind of want to play with them. <laughs> and then they then they good can take that step. To have a season where when, when they're in game six of the second round and, uh, you know, the Jazz are putting them away, uh, Chase Center rises to his feet and gives them a standing O for what a great season they had. That's the type of season. Uh, <laughs> But you, will you be crying when that happens? Like, I will be like will, crying because I'm going to be like vacation in two days. It's so <laughs> happy, right? Like, so uh, Slater hasn't had a long playoff run. In what you? Three I, years, I covered the so. Suns and I covered the Lakers. What you talking <laughs> about? You, yeah, I was covering yeah. the bubble title over here on Zoom, talking with this computer we're on right now. I was on Zoom talking to Frank Vogel in the bubble. That was like a year ago. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. anyway, uh, I would say I would you know as Marcus said something kind of funnier like you know you'd have to be stretching the description of of contenders in the the stretch category i would throw them with the clippers and nuggets for the exact same reasons jamal murray Kawhi leonard clay thompson if any either of those three come back and surprise us and look relatively like themselves 
Then I said, I think the Nuggets are suddenly contenders. If Jamal Murray by May is like looking like Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard, obviously. And I think he's the least likely of the three because he had his injury the latest time. And then, yeah, Clay Thompson, like, so if he just surprises us, I mean, none of us are predicting that Clay Thompson coming back, but you know, were any of us predicting that Kevin Durant coming back? And they need that to get no, to I mean, the yeah, bottom yeah, 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 of the yeah. contenders list. But this is a lot quicker. This is a lot it quicker. Is. Than no question. You know, yeah. 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 To me, but, they just need that to get to the bottom of the contenders list. Yes, I, you, you I know, agree. To get in, I mean, that not, gets to your stretch definition. They're just yeah, trying yeah. to get to the bottom level. But of but your but, but things have happened though, right? Like we've seen it happen. It, it, like Milwaukee <laughs> won a title off of it so it's like all right like things could break your way they would just need all of those breaks in addition to playing really well they just don't have the roster like that 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 we can see it could could develop that way a lot but again Otto porter has to be really good all season andre good has to be really Jordan good Poole for a lot have of to months. be incredible like, yeah. Jordan Poole, yeah yeah and they, they just have to go bam 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 like look milwaukee like drew holiday chris Middleton, and they've won Giannis. a title like, now right like that's the different part <laughs> yeah i know like they got a lot of good players over there so like th- this is a ways away for the warriors like but they can be they're worth talking about as how they can get there they're not worth talking about to say that they're there already marcus a closing thought? I see. A, uh, I could see. I, th- I think the the peak for them this year would be Western Conference Finals. If they made a run and got to the Western Conference Finals, the one the trick they have in their bag is they've got championship experience. The Lakers can break apart. Like F- Phoenix is just gonna. I think Phoenix is just too. They're tough. Like they're solid. Gotta, <laughs> they're tough for the Warriors. They're yeah, tough for the Warriors. They got. If they got to the Western Conference Finals and faced Phoenix, like that would be an incredible year. Like, they kind of maxed out this roster, and that would mean a lot of stuff went right, which would be a great year and the kind of foundation to do what they want to do. Like, look, think of all the young guys. To me, that's why it was important to get to the playoffs last year. All these young guys will be getting playoff experience. Like, this is how the Warriors were built. You know, it was built in Denver, in the playoffs, in San Antonio, losing, right? In the Clippers. Like, you you build that stuff by getting those experiences, and then when it's time, you're ready. They need to get in, and now you got Wiseman and Kaminga and all these future dudes getting playoff experience. That's, to me, the win that they need. I think that Jordan Poole is much better today because of that like ten game stretch that felt like the playoffs late last season, including yes, the two no playing games. And yeah. well, he's definitely better because Steph and Draymond can count on you know felt like they could count on him. That's that's why he's better. And we'll see. But yeah, at some point, does it mean to call him the Golden State Trailblazers right now? That sounds but, like uh, a Tim Cowell call me column. You don't got to do it on the podcast. <laughs> you can do it on the column. Everybody read Tim's column coming out. I'm writing something on the defense coming out. Marcus's strength in numbers 2.0 coming out. No more. Oh, look at this. Look at no more joining buckets, he says. Comes. He's going back to the old. He's playing the old hits. And we're, we're getting out of here. Uh, we'll probably do, we will do, I will at least do it at Warriors All 82 after the Tuesday, Thursday games. And then next week. Uh, what you we'll mean? Have I'm f- in the building Tuesday. Oh, what you mean? Marcus Thompson will be doing a Warriors All 82. Marcus is back on it. the road. And we will talk to you as a group next week.